Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I'm going to talk about the most brilliant strategy that was ever designed to fix the most difficult problems of humanity. And that is the cross. At the cross, in its completion, is the antidote and the solution to every challenging human problem that you're going through. Everything is centered on the centrality of the cross and of the importance of what it does for your life. And how it is effectual, but it also can touch the cry of everyone's heart. And who can deliver me from this wretched body? You know, Paul lays out a really dynamic uh, dichotomy that's going on inside our lives it's not what it wasn't just in Paul, but it's in all of us. And this human cry is, who can deliver me? Who can rescue me from this body of death? This wretched body. Because you know, he said, the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. But the very thing that I don't want to do, I do. And then he says, Oh, wretched man that I am who can deliver me, rescue me from this horrible situation that's going on the inside of me. And he says, praise God. It is through our Lord Jesus Christ that I am rescued, that I am saved, that I am delivered, that I am set free. It is the name of Jesus. So the answer to the cry of the human heart is who? Jesus. Jesus. I remember in youth group, you know, there'd be the youth pastor would ask a question. He'd say, so who was the one that delivered the Israelites through the Red Sea? And, and then the, 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 the water went over the Pharaoh's army. Who is that person that led the Israelites? And then somebody would say, Jesus, you know, you know. You know, they wouldn't, you don't know the answer. Well, Jesus is always the answer. Whether you don't know or not, you just say his name because he fixes everything. So, so Romans 7, 24 says this in the NIV. Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Has anybody had a challenge with the humanity that dwells within you. Okay. If you haven't, please come see me. Because you probably, maybe you found something that I have not discovered. But the cross is the total answer to every human problem. It's the total answer. And actually, at the cross, it reveals 
of the full representation of who God is. We get to know the fullness of, of who he is at the cross. Everything is centered at the cross. And it touches the most crucial areas of all humanity. We are saved at the cross. We are redeemed at the cross. We are rescued at the cross. We are forgiven at the cross. We are healed at the cross. We are delivered from demons at the cross. We are given a hope and a future at the cross. We are given all the, all the questions are answered in the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. And then it says that even at the cross, we discover that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us because of the cross. He said, not only do you get to have a, the benefit of the cross, now you're going to experience the power of the cross. So the cry is Romans 7, 15 through 18. I want to just read this out loud. And it really helps portray it. Romans 7, 15 through 18. I do not understand what I do. I love that. Paul's so simple. I don't understand why I do this. Oh, I should not eat that cracker or that cookie anymore. All right. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me. I should say it another way. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wretched man that he's talking about is called humanity, our sinful nature. And it dwells on the inside of all of us. It's everybody. And so in that, we know that what we know who it is that rescues us. And so we got to understand he's not, he's not saying what I can do to rescue me or how I can do something to rescue me. He's saying who. And that's important because all the religions of the world that that there's a multitude. In all of the religions, what makes Christianity so different, it's because we have a relationship with a person who is the Son of God. In all the other religions of the world, it's what you can do to have the cry of your heart met, to have a solution for you to have a, a good uh, position in life or perspective on life or how to reach utopia or 
how to re reach some type of uh, elevation upwards with God. It's all about what you can do in every other religion except Christianity. It's not based on what you do because you can't do anything. It's you believe in, in someone whose name is Jesus. It's he is the one. He, Paul says, who can deliver me? So I want you to know, I mean, I mean, you have Hinduism, and in Hinduism, I mean, there are, I've heard there's almost 3.2 million gods in Hinduism. It's what you do in Hinduism is you offer sacrifices to all these gods. How would you like to have 3.2 million gods? I mean, come on, that's just like a headache. You know, having to make sacrifices, that's what you do to get right with God. You make sacrifices to these gods. I mean, then you have Buddha. It's to detach yourself from the world and get oneness, you know, harmony, peace with God. I mean, it's what you do. If it's Muslims, you pray. You pray and you pray. And then you offer sacrifices or alms to the poor. I mean, it's what you do, religion after religion after religion. It's what effort am I going to do to make this thing right? But the message of the cross is a story of how God bridges the gap and he rescues us in this situation that we're in, in humanity. I was talking this week with someone having coffee, which is, I love coffee, if you might just know, I love coffee. So, and they said, have you ever heard of Derek Prince? And I said, well, by golly, I have. I've listened to a lot of his teachings. Now, Derek Prince has gone on to be with the Lord, but he was a great Bible teacher. And this person said, uh, man, I, we, my wife and I have been listening to his, this message on, on blessings and on curses. And it's just, it's wrecking us. It's so profound. It's so impacting our lives. And as I was listening to him, I felt so impacted and led by the Holy Spirit uh, to visit, revisit the teachings of Derek Prince on blessings and curses. And it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I'm telling you. Um, I have lived out Derek Prince's message on curses and blessings. And I believe that there are some here today who are fighting with something that you don't fully understand in life. You're having to deal with something you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where the door is open but it's causing frustration. And every time you're about to succeed or reach a promotion or, or get uh, uh, an advancement, something intervenes and just short circuits your success. And, and it's like you continually are falling into this pattern of like you just, you just never make the mark. You never reach that goal. Something's preventing you from being able to serve the Lord the way you wish to. 
Something is stopping you from really living the victorious life that we have in Christ. I believe in many cases, the problem that we are fighting with, the very thing that you just can't, you know, like put your finger on, you never really fully come to grasp with, you never really fully comprehended what's operating, is that there is a curse that is operating over your life. And you might be thinking, well, that's different. The way that I came to understand about curses is by, is by really what happened to me in my early years. At a very early age, I was labeled a, a learning disabled child, and my teachers would speak curses over me, like, you're never going to mount up to anything. You're never going to learn. You're never going to be able to achieve what your peers are, gonna, are able to do. And I would hear this continually. And then I went to these classrooms and I'd take these special tests and they all came back learning disabled. And, and in that, I even had my, some in my family that even reinforced it because all of my family were educators. I mean, everybody in my family was teachers, was, was uh, superintendents of school systems. It was like, oh my gosh, they're all around me, you know? And here I am, and I can't learn. And I'm in a family where all these teachers are. And so, and it just prevented me from succeeding in how I felt about my life. I began to hate my life. And it began to like wrap a cocoon around me. And it just, it was like something I couldn't get out of, like a straitjacket. You know, like, oh, oh, this is great. So, so it wasn't until I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit where Jesus stepped into the room of my life and broke the power of the curse over my life. And I'll never forget the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, prophetically, I'm going to give you the ability to learn, and I'm going to give you wisdom. And then after that, lights were out, and I just went out under the power of God. And, and it was just an incredible transformation. On the, I could feel God's presence. It was like a, you know, a hurricane you know, goes around in circles. I felt like a little... Warm hurricane was going off, on, going around my chest inside, and it was just, I could feel it healing my heart. And, um, and then my last year in college, um, I made all A's in college. Yeah. Now, I want you to know something. To some of you, that's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. To me, that was a miracle. I mean, that was a miracle. I mean, when you have a 2.3 GPA, Getting all A's is a miracle. So God did a miracle on the inside of me, but he broke the power of a curse that was over my life. So this has really led me here today to share with you what I've discovered on this whole matter of blessing and cursing. And I'm not going to finish it all today. It's going to be a two-part series. And I'm not going to leave you with the problem because... There is a solution to it, but we're going to have to get more into the solution and the breakthrough 
and entering into the good things next week, but I, I need to kind of lay the foundation this week, okay? So I want you just to kind of go with me on this because I want you to, to hear this because this is a truth. When you discover it, it will set you free. It will set your heart free. First of all, there is a whole lot in the Bible that talks about blessing and cursing. There's volumes of it, and I can't exhaust it here. You'll be surprised how much there is. But what is most important to know is that both blessings and curses are usually expressed through words. Either spoken words or written words. That's how blessings and curses flow. They are words that are charged with supernatural power. And the, and the power may be of God or it may be of Satan. So they're, they're, they're formulated through words. And, they're, and, and they have supernatural power for the good and for the bad. And one of the features about both curses and blessings is that when they come, they usually continue on and on from generation to generation to generation. So a person who's experiencing either a blessing or a cursing might not, you might not easily discern where it comes from. It could be coming from something in the past 100 years down your family line and you don't even realize it. That's because it's passed down through generations, blessings and curses. Eliza, when her father passed away, uh, we went to the funeral, and on the front row was sitting the grieving children of her father's third wife. So you had the grieving children there of the third wife. They, they're not, they weren't biological children. They were just adopted children of his third wife. So they're grieving and crying. And then Liza's watching that. And then over here, right in front of us, is sitting her father's firstborn son from her first marriage. And he was five years younger than her mother. And so he's, he's grieving over the loss of his dad. And all of a sudden, I mean, this room is filled with all these other people that he doesn't even know. And so, and then Eliza's there and she's grieving and she's there with, with her natural sibling, her, her uh, natural brother, and then she has a sister and a brother from her mother's other wedding, marriage. Oh, I get complicated here. All right. So it, and so in this dynamic, it was just like all of this stuff go whirling on and, and everybody's grieving. Eliza's going, what is going on here? And then Afterwards, you know, she was talking to me and she says, you know, I, I realize God's hand has really been all my life. And our family is a mess. I mean, you got drug addiction, you got uh, infidelity, broken marriages. I mean, she experienced 
three fathers, you know, and, and you, when you just go through it, it's all the brokenness and all the mess, but she said, through it all, God's hand has been on my life. And she said, my name is, means consecrated unto God. And she says, I, I just feel so fortunate, so blessed that I haven't had to experience all that my family has gone through. And she says, it's only by the grace of God. And so about a week later, you know, we were up here in the mountains and we were visiting a, a distant aunt, great aunt. And she says, do you, do, you know, do you know about the heritage of your family? And she says, yeah, I just got a boatload of it last week, you know, at the funeral. And, and she said, no, um, your family, the family line, um, has many circuit riders that actually would ride the circuit in this area on their horses, and they were planting churches in all this area. And there was one family member that um, wanted to be a missionary, but the Lord said, no, I don't want you to be a missionary. I want you to sow seeds. I want you, he was a farmer, and so he had a lot of land, a lot of cattle, and, um, and so he said, I want you to sow seed, and I want you to be a farmer. And he ended up figuring out how to do this, but he actually um, sowed 90% of his money to mission work, and he lived off 10. And, I, and, and when I was hearing that story, and she says, you know where all your family is located? And she said, no, in Candler, right out here in Candler. You know, and then, so we went out there, we were going around all the, you know, the, the, the funeral with the, where all the tombstones are, and all of her family members are out there, and it's so incredible, and then the Lord spoke to her and said, you are receiving a blessing from your great, great, great grandpa because he sowed into the work of the kingdom and blessed the family with the blessing that is overtaking you right now. That is the power of the spoken blessing over generations that, that it's like the blessings continue to go down from generation to generation to generation. That is the power of blessings. You know, we have, over the years, each of our children, when they were young, when they got to the age of, uh, in, the, in, in the Jewish heritage, it's called a, a bar mitzvah and a bar mitzvah. Bars for the boy, bar, bars for the girl. Well, and it's actually a, a passing over. It's stepping over, like, into adulthood. It's kind of like a, a neat time in which... Uh, a child is coming into to manhood or womanhood. And what we would do is that we would call family members and friends and we would, we would um, have a big meal. And, and it, we would just, I mean, it would be a feast for everybody. But then what we would do is that we would write out spoken prophetic blessings over our children, what God was saying about our children. 
and we would write them out, and then we would pronounce them over our children prophetically. Because, see, once, once a blessing is spoken prophetically, it's irrevocable. It's powerful. It actually shapes the destiny of a child when you speak a blessing. So we would give them a father's blessing. And I would bless the children with the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I would bless the, my, my, my girls with the blessings of Rachel and Leah, that they would prosper, that, that they would be, that everything they put their hands to, they would prosper. And we would bless our children specifically for their design, what God was saying about them, and we would speak it over them. And see, it is so powerful because the word says, decree a thing, and then what? It shall be established. So when you decree prophetically a blessing over your family, over your children, you are establishing the kingdom of God in their lives, and it will come to, uh, to fruition in their lives. So curses and blessings are words. See, they're charged with supernatural power. Maybe the power of God or maybe the power of the devil. But the words which they influence people's lives to such a large extent that it determines the destiny and the trajectory of someone's life by the spoken blessing. So, so most often, these blessings uh, will go on from one generation to another generation to another generation. And see, God is a family God. He didn't want just the blessings to stay with Abraham. He said, I wanted the blessings to go from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and on to the nations of the world. He said, when he blessed Abraham, he said, not only, not only will your family be blessed, but all, the seed of all the, the nations of the world, which includes you and me, the blessings of God are coming to you by virtue of our glorious Savior, Jesus. The Scripture says that Jesus became a curse. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus, in his body on the cross, he bore every single curse down through the generations. All of the wickedness, all of the ugliness, all of the, the pain, the heartache, the cries of all those people. He took every curse. He became the curse and was nailed so that he broke the curse. He broke its power over you. So why? Why did he do that? So that the blessings of Abraham might come and overtake you, might come and bless you. And the blessings are incredible that happen in your life. So if you've ever felt like a curse might be on your life, I want to say right up front today, God has provided a glorious solution 
to set you free. And that is through the cross of our Savior. I hope when we get done talking about the blessing and the curses, when we get done on this little two-part series, I hope whenever you look at the cross, you never look at it, you'll look at it differently. You'll realize, wow, there's more in that cross than just wearing it around my neck. So I want to look at probably one of the most important scriptures that declares our freedom that we have in Jesus. That's Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Let's look at that real quick. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Who are the Gentiles? If you're a Gentile, you're sitting in this room. So I want to talk about some of the examples of blessings. First of all, let's take a couple of examples of blessings in the Bible, and then I'm going to talk about some examples of curses. The first is uh, Genesis 22. I want us to kind of go to that, Genesis 22. And this is where Abraham had just been willing to offer up his son Isaac in response to the Lord's requirement. And then at the last moment, at the last, the last cry, the Lord provided a ram that got st- stuck in a thicket by its horns. And he didn't have to offer up Isaac, but he was able to offer up the lamb. And then the Lord spoke to Abraham from heaven, and he said in Genesis 22, 16 through 18, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Notice that the blessing was going on. It was going to Isaac's descendants. And then it says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So not only did it just go to his family, which would have been wonderful, God's got a big heart. He's a family God. And he's saying, now I want it to go to all generations, this blessing. And it's very important to notice the reason for the blessing. Why did the blessing come to Abraham? And why did the blessing come to you and me? It's because he obeyed the voice of the Lord. He obeyed what God said to the extent that it cost him the thought of having to sacrifice his own son with a knife. Ay, ay, ay. I, I mean, that level of obedience is, is eclipse everything. 
And the reality is, is that God saw Abraham's heart of obedience. He said, because of this, I'm going to bless you, your descendants, and all the nations of the world, your seed. So I want to talk about then some examples of curses. Now we're going to turn to the, this, this opposite theme, which is called curses. But before we can do that, I want you to turn to Proverbs 26.2. Can you turn there? Like a sparrow in its flitting. That's such a unique word. Flitting. You know, it's like, why don't they say flutter? You know, it's flitting. But like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without a cause does not alight. Now, that is so important that you hear this. If there is a curse, there's a cause for it. If there's a curse that's operating in your life, there's a reason for it. You don't just receive a curse out of the blue. There's an entry point. There is something that's caused it to affect your life. And in many cases, in order to be released from the curse, it's important to discover you got to go back to the scene of the crime. How did it get here? What's going on? So a, a curse never comes to you callous, causeless. Is that a word? Causeless? Causeless? Causeless. Causeless. Yeah. Say that three times real fast. Okay. So Deuteronomy 27. God ordained that when Israel came into the promised land, they were to pronounce upon themselves curses if they disobeyed God in certain respects. So let's look at Deuteronomy 27, 11 through 13. So Moses also charged people on that day saying, when, the, when they cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, these shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. The Israelites could not enter into the promised land without being exposed to both a blessing if they were obedient to what God was saying and a curse if they were disobedient. I mean, God really raised the standard or, or he, he put a level of importance of entering into this new land, the promised land. And it wasn't just like, they're like, we're going in and getting the milk and honey. And we're going to have some grapes and we're going to eat good and it's just going to be awesome. No. Yeah, it was. But it wasn't. Because if they obeyed God, they were blessed of God. And when they had to speak a curse over themselves, they weren't cursing themselves, but they're saying, if we don't obey God, yeah, we'll accept the curse to come upon us. And so this was, I mean, this, I, I think that would put the fear of the Lord in you, wouldn't it? I mean, it wouldn't me. I mean, man, if I do that, the curse. So 
In Deuteronomy 27, it has 12 curses. But I'm just going to start out just with a couple. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's not your everyday reading material. It's not like you're really excited about reading about the curses. So you can read it, chapter 27, but um, Deuteronomy 27, 14 through 15. The Levites shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed is the man who makes an idol or a molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the works of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So they had to say this, that if there was ever anybody that made an image set up an idol in a secret place. They were saying that a curse shall come upon those people that, that do a, 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 make a false god. And essentially, and then they have to say amen, which means so be it, God. So be it. Let it be done unto me according to your word. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? So, all right. All Israel had to invoke upon themselves a curse if they became involved in idolatry, in worshiping false gods, or in what we call in modern English the occult or witchcraft. That would bring upon a curse upon your life if you were involved in witchcraft or the occult. This is really the first primary cause of curses in people's lives. And this is the involvement in idolatry, the worship of false gods, and the whole realm of the occult, seances, tarot cards, rituals, all that stuff is what puts a curse upon you. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. Let me say this. Let's look at this. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then skip down in verse 5. And then he says in verse 5, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the third and fourth generations. What he's saying basically is that not only was it visited on on this one person, or say on you, it will go to three subsequent generations down the road. And it's visited. It's not a welcome visitor, but it's visited on you. So you understand that you may be struggling with something in your life today, which is due to your Grandpa Willie. Or great, great grandpa, my grandpa was named Hoot. <laughs> Hoot fine. It could be Hoot fine. Open the door. And it came to me. Or it could be a great grandmother or some other ancestor. Do you see how important it is to diagnose and identify the problem? You know, in my early years, in my early years, um, 
before I was married and when I first came into salvation with Christ and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I remember going to a family member of mine that I love very dearly. And I went and I just happened to go look on their bookshelf. And I looked at the bookshelf and it was shelves of books on the occult. And I went, what in the world? What are these books of the occult? I never knew this about this person. I never knew that they dabbled into this. And I, I was just, I was floored that they were involved in the occult. And I, I asked myself, I said, Lord, where did this come in? Where did this curse come in? Where did this iniquity flood into that? Where's the open door? What caused it? And then my father, as you know, passed away last year. And I had the privilege of leading my dad to the Lord, which it will be one of my highlights of my spiritual life is leading my dad to the Lord. And, and I happened to go, you know, reminiscing of my dad, just trying to think about my dad's life. And so I go on his Facebook. And he had this individual that was one of his friends. I won't say her name. But she was a high psychic. She had a psychic channel. She had all of these, you know. And then the next thing I discover is that this psychic is interviewing my dad. And my dad is talking about the importance of reincarnation. And I went, oh, my gosh, Dad. You have fallen off the apple cart. And, and I realized that my dad's involvement in the occult and then in generations down from my dad in the occult opened the door so that my family members would be affected by temptation to be involved in the occult. Do you see how powerful that is? It's evil. But it's something that God has said, I will pass it down to the third and fourth generation. So you wonder why things just keep going down the line? Well, people continue to participate in this sin. And it continues to curse down the family line. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> you're wondering, how in the world? How in the world is this operating I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, and so I repented. I stood in proxy and I repented for the generational curse of the occult and witchcraft in my family line. And I just took it all the way back to Adam. I said, Lord, clean the whole family line. I don't know where it started, but it started. It might have started with hoot. I don't know. But. <laughs> The bottom line is that I said, Lord, I repent for all of my family line for opening the door to a generational curse of the occult. 
And I stood there and I repented on behalf of my family line. And God, I said, please forgive me. Forgive me for, for being in the family as a representative. And I ask that you forgive all my family. And I declare and decree that my children and my children's children are going to be cleansed of this opening of this iniquity of this curse. And it will not land on my children. And I stood there in faith and I believed the finished work of the cross that says that Jesus became the curse. He became the curse of the occult. He became the curse of witchcraft. Think about that. He became that for you so that you would not have to experience it. By faith, I appropriate that finished work on the cross and I break and I renounce it in the name of Jesus off my family line. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We ain't going to serve no curse. So you've got to stand in faith, you've got to be firm, and you've got to go after it. Because if you don't, it's going to eat your lunch. You know that, don't you? It will eat your lunch. So he wants to set your family line free. I just want to mention just a few more of those curses. You know, I don't like talking about all of them. They're just, I'll just mention a few. You read them in Deuteronomy 20. A curse, listen, a curse will come upon those that dishonor their parents. And that's very important. One of the curses is will come upon you if you dishonor your mom and your dad. It says, cursed is he who dishonors his father and his mother. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's some here in this room that might have dishonored your, your mother and your father. And, 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 and in that, unbeknowingly, you're allowing a curse to come upon you. And it's really because of your attitude towards your parents is not right. Listen, I understand some dynamics in families are very, very, very difficult. Years before my father passed away, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was not honoring my father. My father was a rascal, but I love him. But he was a rascal, and I got so embittered and judgmental towards my dad, and I, I was so angry in my heart. And because of my attitude towards him, my early years had so many problems. You know, the scripture says, honor your mother and father with a promise. Why? So that things might go well for you. My early years were horrible. I got in so much trouble. And I didn't even, some of it, I wasn't even looking for it. It just came to me. He said, hello, I'm here. Knocking on my door. So, Things didn't go well for me, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget the time I came to understanding that there really was something operating in my life that was not good. And I, I, I remember going out on the deck. My father and mother lived in Lake Lure, and I remember going out on the deck, and it was 5.30 in the morning. My dad had to get up early because he had to go all the way to Hendersonville. So we're out there at 5.30 in the morning, and I repented to my father for my anger and my judgment towards him. I said, Dad... I don't want to get into all that you did and said, 
I just want to take responsibility for me. How I reacted, how I responded was wrong. And I need to repent. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for just being judgmental. Um, and I said, Dad, please forgive me. And he said, I forgive you, son. And, and, and you know, well, I won't get into it. But he gave me a hug. And, and so then I said, Dad, would you, would you speak a blessing over me? Would you? He said, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, well, I said, just think about all the good things that you want me to have in God. He said, I could do that. So he just started blessing me with all these good things. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is so good. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget that on that cool morning, um, a curse was broken over my life. And I received the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, you don't have to agree with your parents or even do everything they tell you to do. Because that really depends on the way your parents are living. Some of them are living like, you know what I mean. So, but you have to honor them as your parents. You don't honor them for what they do. You honor them because they're, they brought you into this world. And you need to thank God that you're alive because of them. Even though it wasn't pretty, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> So, the first commandment is with the promise of blessing. But if someone straightens out their attitude towards their parents, things will go well for you. You could be 40 years old and sitting in this room and things still aren't going well for you. And the next reason for receiving a curse can come through in the line of all the list of things is illicit and unnatural sex. Any form of unnatural sex brings a curse. Any. The fourth one is injustice to the weak and helpless. And the list goes on. Let me just say this. That have you ever just like noticed some families? It's like, why is everybody in this family having infidelity, having adulterous relationships, and all the marriages are breaking up? Have you ever seen that in family lines? Or have you ever seen anything in family lines? It's like, wow, Uncle Bob and Uncle Billy and George, and they're all on drugs. Wonder why they're all going to prison. I wonder why they can't break the habit of addiction to alcohol or to drugs. The reason for that is because there's a curse in operation. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at your situation and your family and realize there's patterns of sin and iniquity that's operating if you got bad fruit, go to the root. So you got to go to the generational line. If you have a propensity towards addiction, alcohol, or drugs, 
there's a good chance there's a curse operating in your life. And it's got to be broken at the cross. I'm telling you, this is so important. I'm feeling the Lord is really wanting you to understand how important this issue is. Dolores Winder, I'll never forget, she said to me, you know, you know why she had osteoporosis in her back and her, her spine broke in four places. They had to fuse her spine back four times. And all of her bones in her body were breaking due to osteoporosis. And she would go, I remember she would go and she would open a door and turn the key and the bones in her fingers would break. That's how fragile osteoporosis is. So it's, it's an excruciating, painful death. But the good news is she was healed. But the Lord showed her, you know why you are, have osteoporosis? Because it was a curse passed down through the generational line. Her father had osteoporosis, her grandfather had osteoporosis, and not only did they have osteoporosis, they had it in the very two vertebrae that she had it, the very same spot. Do you think that's just coincidence? No. That's a generational curse of sickness. Have you ever have you almost experienced or seen people that seems like they just get sick? They get sick. They get sick. They, get, they just never get well. That's a curse that's being passed down through the generations. Mental illness is something that is passed down through generations. It's kind of like we got to say enough is enough. That's why Paul cried out, who can deliver me? <laughs> who can rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who rescues us at the cross from all of this stuff that can be passed down through the generations. You know, I just, it's going a little late. I'll just go a little bit more and then we're going to pick it back up next week, okay? I don't want to go too long for the children's sake. So I want you to see another form of curse. This is outside of the Deuteronomy 25. This is a, another source of curses, which is men representing God and actually going against God, his ordinance, and what he has said. So let me just read this. Joshua 6, 26. After the children of Israel had, they miraculously captured the whole city of Jericho, Joshua pronounced a curse on anybody who would rebuild it. He pronounced it. Joshua, man of God. He pronounced it. And this is what he said. Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. He just let it go and said it. The NIV says this. The one who wants to rebuild Jericho, he shall lay its foundation at the cost of his firstborn and at the cost of his youngest. 
he shall set up its gates. Now that was, just so you know, that, that pronouncement of a curse was pronounced 1300, the year 1300 or so before Christ, before the birth of Christ. At around 800 before Christ, a man did that very thing. And then we can read about it in 1 Kings 16, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. 1 Kings 16, 34. In his days, Hiel the Bethlehemite built Jericho. Hiel. He laid its foundations with the loss of Abram, his firstborn. And set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. I want you guys to understand this. We're talking 500 years. 500 years later, the curse that was pronounced by Joshua was working out in this man who rebuilt the city. He lost his two children to rebuilding Jericho. It cost him his two children. Can you imagine, I mean, the doctors that day thinking, we just don't know how in the world his two boys just passed away. They were young, vibrant, had everything going for him. No medical obvious reason medically why they should just waste away and die. We couldn't find a virus or a diagnosis. There's just nothing going on. Yet, they died. The doctors didn't know the cause because it went back 500 years. It was a curse. If you rebuild that Jericho, you'll be cursed So you can see that you may be dealing with things of which the cause could go back hundreds of years in your family line. You didn't know it. It's like all of a sudden you could be feeling or having this propensity to walk in the patterns of a curse. You know what iniquity means? Iniquity means, it really literally means it's the propensity or that you'll have a bent towards stepping in to the iniquity that is in your family line. You'll have a propensity or a weakness if your family line were, were addicted to drugs and alcoholism, you will have a bent towards going to the bottle or go into the pill. It's like a magnet. A moth drawn to a flame. It's like there's something in you that's like, I don't want to do this. I don't understand why I'm doing it, but I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. What's going on? Back there's what's going on. And you've got to be so vigilant to go after that thing because, really, 
A curse without a cause shall not alight. Well, there was a cause for that to be operating in your life, and you've got to go to the root. If you got bad fruit, go to the root. Quit knocking off the bad fruit off your tree. Think, well, if I just clean myself up, if I just don't drink that much anymore, or if I don't take the pill anymore, trying to get rid of the bad fruit is insane. Go to the root. If you got bad fruit. Another source of cursing can be found in Genesis 27, verse 46. This is where you put a curse upon yourself. Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes another wife from the daughters of Heth, like these women from the daughters of the land, which I don't like, what good will be my life to me? What will my life be to me? And what she's doing, you'll begin to see in that portion of Scripture, she's pronouncing really a double curse on her behalf. She said, I'm weary of my life. What's the good of living? I might as well die. She's actually speaking a curse over herself. I, I know of people that have pronounced a curse on themselves by saying, I wish I were dead. I wish I were dead and not alive. What's the good of living? I'm not going to make it. You don't have to say that very often. For an invitation to be given to a spirit of death to come upon you. He's looking for words like that. Remember, a curse is in the words. A curse is what's spoken or written. And if you say that long enough, he'll take advantage of it, and then a spirit of death will come upon you. But I've seen many people delivered from a spirit of death. So how does it come in? An attitude of hopelessness. There's no good living What's life got to offer me? I might as well be dead. My brothers and my sisters have done terrible things to me. You're really pronouncing a curse on yourself when you begin to say those things. And there are forms that blessing and cursings take. And if, if you want to study the detail of it, go to chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. It's got 68 verses 14 verses that deal with blessings, and the remaining 54 verses deal with curses. So the source and blessing, the source of blessing and curses is clearly stated, and I want to read them both again. So we got to understand this, okay? And then we're going to wrap it up. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2. Now as shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, be careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That's exalting you. That is, righteousness shall be exalted in the city and the people will shall rejoice. He will exalt you above all your enemies round about. You will become the head and not the tail.
And the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all the blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. So what's the basic cause of a blessing? It's diligently obeying the voice of God. That's why you're blessed of Abraham. You receive the blessings. Aren't you grateful for Abraham? I mean, he really gave us some good gifts from afar. A long time ago, the blessings of Abraham, Abraham will overtake you. And then it says, all these blessings will come upon you. So you don't need to chase after them. They just come upon you and overtake you. But you need to meet the conditions to receive the blessing. And then in verse 15 and onwards, we come to all the curses, Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today that all the curses will come upon you and overtake you. Do you see the dichotomy? If you obey God, the blessings. Disobey God, the curses. It's real simple. So what is the cause of, of receiving curses? It's not listening to the voice of the Lord and obeying what he says. It's real simple. So in summary, the blessings of God will exalt you. Okay? They'll, they'll lift you up. You will be blessed with health. No disease or sickness shall be known amongst you. You'll be blessed with great health. Reproductiveness. Your children will prosper. You'll have many children. Your, your livestock will prosper. All that you have is just reproducing. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, the goodness of God is just multiplying in your life. He will bless you with prosperity. The blessings of Abraham are to make your hands rich. How, who would like to make money? Who would like to be blessed of money? It's, it's okay to be blessed with money. God says the blessings of Abraham will bless you with prosperity. And also it blesses you with victory over the enemy. Your enemy will never have a hold in your life anymore. You will, you will defeat him all the time. You are the head and not the tail. So, you know, the simple statement that says you'll be above only and not beneath. You'll be the head and not the tail. So what does that mean? That means that the head makes all the decisions and the tail just wags and does what the head says. Poor tail just gets dragged around. The head's making the decisions and the tail's just wagging. Now let's look at the summary of the curses that I just said. First of all, curses bring humiliation. They bring reproach. Second, failure to re reproduce in any area of your life. You will not be able to reproduce in any area of your life. Barrenness is a curse without any qualification. Mental and physical sickness are curses. Family breakdown, divorce, alienation of children, poverty. It's a curse. Has any of you ever felt like there were holes in your pockets? 
There's a curse in operation. Poverty is not a blessing. What, then why would you always try to work yourself out of it if it's a blessing? Poverty. It's not. It's horrible. Sickness is a curse. Oppression, defeat, failure, and God's disfavor. So next week I'm going to go talk about going from the curse into the blessing and staying there. And it's going to be a wonderful journey because the way that we make the transition of, of passing through the curse into the blessing is through the cross. Our glorious Savior paid for the price on the cross. He made the provision available for us that we were never, ever supposed to experience the curses because He paid such a price. He became the curse that we might receive the blessings of Abraham forevermore. So He's made the provision. So the heart cry of many who want to be set free from this wretched body, His wonderful name is Jesus. Jesus. The name above all names. Our glorious Savior who really came to rescue us and save us. Because many of us have been bobbing and going under the water. He just went down in there and grabbed you by the scruff on the back of your neck and pulled you up. He rescued you. And you didn't do anything to get rescued except cry out his name. Say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Cleanse me of all my sin. Break all the curses and set me free that I might have life forevermore with you in eternity. That's the good news. That's good news, church. It's not bad news. It's good news. So let's all stand. Next week, you know, I want you to, if, if you could go over some of the scriptures that I've read, next week I want you to, if, you're, if you want to, you have to volunteer and choose yourself. At the end of the service next week, I want to go through a prayer that will break every generational curse off of your life. If you want to participate in that, I want you to be here next week because we're going to say we're going to have you pray out loud a prayer that is going to set you free from any generational curse over your life. That might be known and unknown, but the bottom line is that you're going to get free. And to whom the Son is set free is free indeed. You're free. It's not like you know, kind of like he gives it to you and then he takes it back. No, you're free. You don't have to walk in the patterns and sin and iniquity and the curses of your forefathers anymore. I just declare over you that you and your house will serve the Lord and no other God. You are free in Jesus to walk in the fullness and the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, in Jacob. No longer will there be this propensity or this desire in you to do the very thing that you don't want to do. 
So, Father, I'm asking now for the anointing of your Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you rest upon each and every one. And, Lord, I'm asking that if there be any area in their life where a curse might be in operation, that you would bring it to the surface and you would help them to see what the cause for it what the cause. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking right now that your anointing would just flow into the lives of each and every one. I'm asking, Lord, that everyone could just take a deep breath and just know that you're a good Father and you desire good things for all of us. You're a good Father and you always do good. And you work together everything for good to those that love you and are called according to your purposes. And I thank you, Father, right now that your love is everlasting. Your love is here today and will be there tomorrow until we see you face to face. So I do have really some good news that if someone has never ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and to take seat in your heart and to forgive you of all of your sin. If you've never invited him into your heart and said, Lord, forgive me for my sin, I want to give someone here an opportunity that maybe has never said that or prayed that. Because the forgiveness of the Lord will clean the slate of your life. It makes all things new. And you become a new person in Christ Jesus. The old things are passed away. If you don't like that old self, well, maybe today's a good day to get a new self. And it's through Jesus. If you've never, ever asked Jesus to come into your heart, I just want you just to say this simple prayer. We can all say it together because, you know, we all need to be. We're all saved and we're being saved. So we can all do it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need your help. Please forgive me for all of my sin. Come into my heart. And forgive me and cleanse me of all of my sin. I confess you are Lord of my life. I give you my life. I give you my will. And I thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me, for saving me. For giving me new life. For calling me a son. And for being my Lord. I choose this day. To glorify you. With my life. For those. That believe. That God has raised Jesus 
from the dead shall be saved forevermore. Thank you, Lord. I choose this day to surrender my life to you and to follow you all the days of my life. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did pray that for the first time, I'd be honored to pray with you um, after the service. You can come and let me just pray with you and bless you. If not, I bless each and every one of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His favor rest upon you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you this day and give you His shalom peace. The peace of Jesus rest upon you. And I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you for this church. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that that truly we're going to be a people known for your presence, known for your love, known for the love that we have for one another. We'll be known as a people that when people come and visit, they get healed by you, Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you that, that the fullness and the activity of heaven is in our midst right now. So Lord, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in this house in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give somebody a hug and say, you're a blessing.